Welcome back, everybody. Rooted in Logos podcast, episode number 95. My name is Brad. I'm joined, as always, by my dear friend, Austin Loop. Austin, how you doing? Well, hello there. I was trying to come up with something clever. This is the way. <laughs> didn't work. It's fine. Uh, episode number 95. We hey, are guys. barreling ever closer to episode 100. I have one idea that I haven't shared with Austin yet, um, because I just thought of it the other day, and we haven't talked a whole lot, unfortunately. <laughs> um it's it's both it's both don't let it just like that it's, i did say a thing okay but you my looked, hands went up looked at me anyway. i don't know what to do with my hands <laughs> uh so yeah we are getting close to episode 100 i'm excited for that hopefully it's something mm-hmm. we can do so, we can do something special for it yeah um yeah we'll just see what happens i, I want to start and i also didn't say this to austin and i should have but i want to start and and address just real quick a very kind of somber situation that that situation in nashville mm. Um, I just want to call on um, our listeners to continue to pray for the families of those affected by the shooting at the Covenant School. Mm-hmm. Uh, unspeakable evil. And, and I have a lot of thoughts on what happened as far as like the political side of it, the gender ideology side of it, and, and, and the, the things that have been said by both sides of this debate and this conversation. But I just don't think that's this is the time to do so. Right. I, I think conversations, and I think I, I posted this on our page, conversations like that need to be had at some point when they can be done rationally, when they can yep. be done without a political agenda, which, by the way, I think is near to, next to impossible. Like, I just don't think right. we are at a place as a country that can have logical conversations about what happened and how we can prevent these things from happening. Logic has gone out the window. Logic's out the window. And and so I have thoughts. I might share them on our blog. I might share them here at some point. I don't know. But this is not the time to do so. The time right now is to pray for those families. I mean, there, there were six, seven lives lost, if you count the shooter. Right. And, and seven lives lost, uh, three of them being, I think, nine years old, maybe eight years old. Yeah. Uh, and then three adults, the, the, the headmistress, the, one of the janitors and, or maintenance people, and uh, one of the substitute teachers that was there. Just mm-hmm. unbelievable. Um, kind of close to home, too, just a few hours away from us, yeah. not, not too far. Um, I'm going to be in Nashville in a couple weeks. Like, it's not a far drive. It's, it's right there. Yeah. And, and just, it's devastating. And uh, so we pray for the families involved and that, that, their faith will be reigned strong. I know there was a pastor, I think, that lost one of his his children, and and uh, just pray for pray for all of them. It just it, you don't have words. Oh yeah, don't have words. Yeah, so, no, that's it's horrendous. It is, and and just the evil that we face in this world, man. I mean, just I'm tired of it. <laughs> I, you know, uh, the, the physical ailments that that we face and that our loved ones face. The 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 spiritual ailments that our world faces and and having to deal with people all the time fallen people i'm just tired of it i'm 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 ready for perfection i'm ready for no drama i'm ready for the end of these shootings and the end of these stories just day after day being bombarded with negativity and and this person's fighting with this person and this person shot that person and it it's tale as old as time we see it all throughout scripture you know the the methods change, but the motives stay the same, and and people stay the same. Yeah. But man, what what a what a fallen world to live in, and so just continue to pray for for these people and and make disciples. I mean, I think that's mm. the the goal here, right? Is is the 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 people that are going through these tragedies and that will go through these tragedies, they need a they need someone to hold on to. They need a hope to hold on to, and the only hope that we can hold on to is Jesus. Oh yeah, it's the only hope we can hold on to, and and we. That is what we're called to do, is yeah. to, to talk about that hope. So with that transition, we're going to get into First Peter, nope, First Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to talk about that hope. <laughs> we're going to talk about the, the one thing we can hold on to when everything around us is, is chaos, and that is Scripture, and that is Christ. Yeah. So we're going to dive into First Peter 4. We're going to dive into First Timothy 4. It's twice. It's something. Do we need to go, do we need to, go to First Peter 4? <laughs> I don't know. Um so we're going to do that today. First uh, Timothy chapter four. We're going to do what we normally do. Uh, before we do so, just do us a favor: jump on Instagram, Facebook, social media, Twitter, rootedinlogospod.com, patreon.com slash rootedinlogos. Give us a five star review on Apple or Spotify. That would be wonderful. Let's dive into First Timothy chapter four, and we'll do what we do. We'll read it and we'll go back into it and start breaking it down verse by verse. Austin, I've talked a lot to start this. Do you want to get us started? Sure. Yeah, I'll read through it. Reading out of ESV chapter four. 
Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is the reading of God's word. So many things to break so down in this, and, and what a good chapter to to dive into while dealing with the things that are going on in this world. I, oh, I think yeah. it's such an encouraging thing. Paul very explicitly encouraging Timothy, challenging Timothy, and by you know by doing so, challenging us and encouraging us as well. So dive back into verse one. I think, you know, this is broken down into a couple sections in my Bible. I'm assuming probably the same for you. Yeah. You know, verses 1 through 4 and then verses 6 through 16. Paul is very good at, you know, we see this throughout all his letters. He's good at shifting the focus very quickly and seamlessly. And so I, I enjoy kind of what he's what he's doing here. So let's jump back into verse 1 and just kind of start breaking this down. And honestly, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 because it's one big sentence. And that's what Paul does a lot. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times... Some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. There is a lot. There's a lot happening here. We might not get out of this. I saw saw like four things. I'm like, oh, ah, I want to say something about that. But let's go in order. (laughs) In later times... Some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. It's a big one. It's a big one. It's a big one. Do we know? Have we seen this in our world today? Do we see this now? Every day. Every day. Every day. Multiple times a day. So let me start with this first question. We pose this question to you because it's, it's a conversation we've had before. We've done an episode on it before. I believe this is the verse people point to when talking about people who lose their salvation. Yeah. What do we think about that? Well, no, nowhere does it mention anything about salvation. It's talking about faith. They depart from the faith, and what is the faith? The faith is the truth. Right. I, I go back a, l- a little bit, going back to the Spirit. The Spirit expressly says. And so John 16, verse 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. So the Spirit expressly says what? Well, the Spirit expressly says that some will depart. And granted, this is our theology. But if you do not have the Spirit in going into what John 16, 3 says, leading you to the truth, but you're departing from it, then you're not being led to the truth. Therefore, logically, you don't have the Spirit. Correct. It really does become a, a an idea of definitions. It, it's all yeah. about definitions and, and about where you land and how you define these terms. And, and I'm with Austin on this. It, it's, it's that... You know, you leave the faith, you depart from the faith, the Spirit was never inside you. Because once you are His, you are His. Yeah. Once the Spirit is in you, you're not going to be perfect this side of heaven. You're going to fall, you're going to doubt, you're going to have issues, you're going to have moments. You might even have a season where things aren't going well spiritually for you. But the Spirit will always lead you back to Him. Yeah. 
And if that doesn't happen, then you didn't have the spirit. You may have believed on some level. You may have said the words. You may have gone through the motions, but the spirit wasn't there. Right. And, and walking away, departing from the faith indicates to me someone who on the outward fit the role, played the part, looked the part, but inwardly was just as dead as, well, was dead. Inwardly yeah. was dead. Yeah. I don't know where that was going with that analogy, but... Well, well, it goes to the parable Christ shares of the sower, of all the seeds that, that fall in different different grounds. And, and this would be the one that sprouts. Mm-hmm. It falls in the ground and it sprouts, but then it withers away. It has no soil to take root in. It, it doesn't grow. So it, it sprouts and like... This is the one that you see, and you're like, "Oh yeah, they're they're a Christian," but then they leave the faith, and you're like, "Oh wow, there were no roots. There were no there, roots. There was nothing there holding it in place, exactly. which, which indicates there was the spirit wasn't there holding it in place, right? Yeah, and, exactly. And that's it's tough. Mm-hmm. It it's and and if you fall on the other side of this argument, I want to encourage you a, a to just continue to study, continue to dive deeper, and continue to look at the evidence of of our you know the way the theology that we hold to in this. But also, I'm not sure how much it matters when it comes to bringing them back. I've said this so many times. If you come at this from a different angle and say that, oh, they were saved, they just chose to walk away, I disagree with you. I, I don't think that is proper theology. Right. I, I, I do. However, our goal, our mission, our, our desire between me and you should be the exact same. Let's bring right. them back into the fold. Whether you think they were saved or not, to begin with, whether I think they were saved or not to begin with, I, I do think that's important on some level because I, I think it de- determines your theology overall and how you live overall. Yeah. But in the moment, me and you right now, let's go share the truth with them. Let's go yeah. make a disciple. And, and that should be the goal, right? Bring them back into the fold. Yep. Get them back to the truth. Point them back in the direction of Christ. That uh, I don't know. Is do you do you agree? Disagree on that? I do. Yeah, I do agree with that. Yeah, because yeah, what is our job? Uh, Great Commission. We are to make disciples, and if we see, I mean, biblically, if we see a Christian, if we see a brother living in sin, what are we supposed to do? Galatians <laughs> six one says, you know, we're supposed to confront them, restore them in a spirit of of gentleness and kindness, but say that they are not one. I mean, it's still your job to go and profess Christ to them. Yeah. So same job. Same job. So yeah, some will depart from the faith by what? Well, by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Now, what this does not say is by devoting themselves to demons. It's teachings of demons. This is even just backing up. So deceitful spirits, talking about through scripture, when we are to discern spirits. What does that mean? Well, that means when you go to a church, when when you're listening to someone online, you are doing the Berean method. You know, you're listening to them. You, you go and listen to a Stephen Furtick sermon. You're listening to a Benny Hinn sermon, whatever it may be. And then you're going to scripture. A Stephen Furtick talk, a Benny Hinn talk. Yes, uh, that's let's true. Let's not use the word sermons for what they do. Yeah, TED Talks, whatever they are. TED Talks. <laughs> yeah. The, they're the spirits, okay? They have a spirit within them. They're sharing whatever they're sharing. But you're to go to scripture. You're to go to what the Word of God says, and you're to discern from there. But what it says here is that these spirits are teaching people things that they've learned by doctrine of demons. Yeah. This isn't even saying that these people are directly sitting under a demon, which they know is a demon. <laughs> demon possessed and all yeah, that. That's yeah, not what this is. That's not, not what this, this is. It's not this eerie, you know, occult-like... Uh, Total satanic. Total satanic thing. Yeah, yeah, no. No, no, no. No, this is, this is very... Well, and, uh, yeah, so looking it's at subtle. America versus other, other third world countries where like you could go to Haiti, you could go to Africa, and you see the demon presence there versus here it's subtlety, right? Mm-hmm. So this, it, this is for us. It's the demon of apathy. Exactly. Yeah. This passage is for us. This passage is for Americans. To all of these pastors across America that we don't believe are saved. Like it's pretty apparent. We we have listened to them. We've gone to scripture and like, "Oh, wow. This is heretical." Yeah. And it's because they're getting their doctrine from demons. Do you know what a uh, do you know what an audio drop is? Yeah. So, every time we, this topic comes up and this is a little bit of a side tangent, but my mind is a little racy today, so okay. I'm sorry. But um every time we bring this up, I I want to get the drop of 
Stephen Furtick going, I am God Almighty. And just hit that button when we start talking about this. We need a sound panel. <laughs> we do need a sound panel. <laughs> Maybe it's a Patreon purchase at some point. There but, you go. But yeah, just I, I always hear that quote in my head. And, and before you say anything, yes, I've listened to the whole part of that in context. It's still wrong. It's still <laughs> the wrong. The way he said it. Yeah, Brad, you're taking it out of context. Huh? Mm. Go listen to it. Didn't take it out of context. He said, I am God Almighty. And I know what he meant. Go back and listen to it. We won't talk about that now. But I always wanted to have that little joke because I think it'd be hilarious to just all of a sudden when we're talking about this, just hit the button. I am God Almighty. Anyway. (laughs) But yeah, that's exactly right, though. It is not a... You know, man and with horn, devil horns coming out and, and, and all dark and gnarly teeth and saying, you're going to teach this, my child. Like, that's right. not what this is. This is a angel of light, an angel of light, something that looks good, something that sounds good. It's, it's ear pleasing. It tickles those ears, right? It makes you feel the warm and fuzzies. Mm-hmm. It gets you all happy and makes you feel good. It, I, I almost look at it and, and I'm not, I'm hesitant to say this because I don't want to get into too, too much hot water, but I'm going to anyway. It's the Justin Bieber theology. It's this idea that in the middle of his concert, he can sing a song like Reckless Love and feel like he's into it. And it looks like he's into it. It looks sincere. Um, outwardly, it does. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like He's having a worship moment in, this, in the middle of his concert. And then the very next song is the song Peaches. And if you ever heard that song, I think it's called Peaches. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not a believer. I don't really know. But I think that's what the song's called. And just the lyrics of that song, you're like, what? Hmm. How does that happen? How do, yeah, how does, that doesn't match. And yeah. that, to me, is is what we're dealing with in America. And that's what this passage is dealing with. It's this idea that you can have Christ. And you have this emotional experience with him. And, and he died for our sin. But in the same breath, it's he loves and ex- accepts everybody as they are without change. Right. And that's not it. That's not the gospel. So it's a preaching a different gospel. Paul talks about that a lot in his messages or in his in his letters where he says, if someone comes to you preaching something different than what I am preaching, different than what has been revealed to us, cast them out. Don't listen they're to them. They're accursed. They're accursed. Yeah. Because they're preaching a different gospel. And that's what's happening in America is all these warm, fuzzy feelings of love and acceptance that on the surface are good, but when you start diving down into it, you're like, this is not the gospel. This is not right. This isn't right. And that is where we're called to be discerning. And that is where we're called to look at these deceitful spirits, look at these teachings, and say, through the lens of Scripture, and say, this isn't right. We need to reject this, and we need to move away from it. Yeah. And call it out. Yeah. And as we move on to our next little thing, I would hit the button that says, I am God Almighty. That would be funny. (laughs) Anyway. We'll, we'll look into that. <laughs> but, but no, yeah, going into directly verse 2 with this. So I'll read the ESV, but I want to go to my, my commentary on this because the, the, the verbiage is a little bit different. So ESV says, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. But then this one says, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So New King James says something similar to that. Something, well. yeah. Yeah, the direct translation has hypocrisy in there. Well, what is a hypocrite? What is a hypocrisy? Someone who says one thing but does another. Yeah, and not just one time, not just a slip up. Exactly. Not it's it's a habitual living I, in this living way. in this way, a way contrary to what I teach. Yes, and we see evidence for this when we look at the life of Benny Hinn, when we look at these these mega church people that they're saying these things. They're all, a lot of them are really good things, but then you look at their life and they are going through, oh, uh, what are they called? When they're being accused of uh, sexual stuff. Oh, they're, they're getting me too'd. Yeah. But then it's true though. <laughs> but then it ends up being true. It's true. Yeah. And multiple, multiple. All the scandals. And, and the... then they're going through tax fraud. They're yeah. taking money from the churches. They're just literally all this stuff. And I'm like, well, there's your, it's, there's evidence. There's your there. evidence. It's and, the and hypocrisy. And not necessarily all of them are doing this. No. I, I do think there is some, there are some of them who are quote unquote good people, right? Quote unquote, like moral by the world standards people. They, they do have one wife and they are faithful to that wife. They're faithful to mm-hmm. their children. Yeah. I haven't seen anything like that about Stephen Furtick or, or, or even Bill Johnson. Yeah. I, yeah. I think they are. By our standards, the world standards, decent people. I don't think they're necessarily just these... And if they were these evil 
incarnate people, right? We would know that. I think we would reject that they wouldn't be as big as they are, right? Uh, so I do think there's there's some in this realm that just are teaching terrible things. They're teaching right. things that are not, you know, th- they're deceitful. They're, oh, they yeah. have been deceived, and oh, therefore yeah. they are deceiving others, right? Well, maybe, it, maybe even with okay intentions, but yeah, in this case, insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. They don't have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The, the people we're talking about in this do not have conviction. Yeah. They sin, and they don't care. Oh, yeah. And they're hypocrites, and they don't care. Yeah. They realize it. They know it. They might care enough to keep it buried for, for a time. Well, it's, and even they can't care. Right. Because their consciences are seared. They, The conscience, the thing that is able to decipher what is right and wrong, but if it's seared... You can't. You right. literally, you can't decipher what is right and wrong. And yeah, we're we're not saying that these people are possessed at all. They don't need to be. Literally, the doctrines of the demons that they have heard, and it could even be secondhand, thirdhand, whatever it may be. Whatever they're getting, their consciences are so seared that they can't decipher if it is the truth or not. Right. We talked about it during our apologetics series, talking about looking at. The truth versus looking at counterfeits. And uh, what the FBI, their counterfeit unit does is they don't spend their entire time looking at all the different counterfeits. They say, no, you study the real thing. That way, whenever a counterfeit does show up, you, you know it's counterfeit. Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. And that, that's our job. Our job, and even a, apologists, you know, looking at like uh, James White. Uh, awesome apologist. Their main thing is not looking at all the different counterfeits, looking at all the different false religions, looking at all the the different sects of people that call themselves Christians, but they're not. Their job is to just look at scripture. Right. They devote themselves to the reading of God's word. That way, when something comes up, they, they know. They automatically know that, no, that's not truth. But going back to these other people, they are so seared as as the King James or others would say, as with a hot iron, literally like a stake that is seared on both sides that lock all the juice in. Nothing gets in, nothing gets out. It, it physically cannot, unless the Holy Spirit and God cuts it off. Right. The, and just like having that in mind, uh, well, it takes me to uh, C.S. Lewis, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, when Eustace Scrub was the dragon. And it was the transition moment from going back from, from the dragon going back to Eustace. And he was he was like trying to scrape off the scales and it was hurting really bad, but he's not the one that could do it. He was like trying to scrape it off. But then Aslan does it. And Eustace is describing it as it was extremely painful. But at the same time it also was relieving and it felt good. Yeah. And and, and that's where these people need to that's where our, our prayer needs to come in of Lord, as painful as it may be, but fillet them. Fillet this seeredness <laughs> off so that they can actually, their conscience can actually look at what's right and wrong. Imagine someone like, and we keep, we're not picking on this guy, but imagine someone like Stephen Furtick, this happens, and he starts a a movement within his church of good theology, mm. of, of, of truth, yeah, and not the warm fuzzies, not the, the pie-in-the-sky wealth and prosperity. But he actually starts preaching the true gospel with with a man with his platform. Yes, it turns some people off. You might not get your Justin Bieber's <laughs> in, involved, but you might imagine the impact that he would have with his platform if he were to start preaching the truth. Oh yeah, and that's what we need to be praying for. Yes, we need to call out the her- heresy. We need to make sure people understand that this is not someone you need to be listening to, and and taking at at face value. You need to start digging into if you're going to listen to him. Listen to him with the brand method and go back to scripture. Yeah. We encourage you not to listen necessarily, but if you're going to, everything he says, put it up to scripture and yep. make sure it matches. And some yep. of it's going to, because we've talked about that before, there have to be hints of truth in there or else we would see through it immediately. Well, why? Yeah. Why is it so popular? Why is it so out there? It's because it has truth in it. Yeah. And some of it might have a lot of truth in it, but that goes back to the beginning. When you go back to Adam and Eve, what did the serpent say to Eve? He he used the words of God. Yeah. He well, said, "Did God really say how this? is how was Jesus tempted? Mm-hmm. He was tempted using Scripture. Using Scripture. So that that is there are going to be elements of truth. You're going to hear things. I hear things. Austin hear thing hears things from these people that are like, okay, 
I can get behind that. That's cool. What's he say next? Exactly. <laughs> what, yeah. What's the next point? Or, what, or, or even what's the next message about? Or where is he going with this? Because mm-hmm. that is true. I can live with that, what he said there, but I, this I can't. So yeah. it, it is all about being discerning. And, and the prayer is that God would change the hearts of these people and they would start preaching the truth. And just oh, yeah. imagine, you, you want to talk about a, a movement of God. That would be a movement of God. Yeah. Because his church, with all its satellite campuses, Bethel, with all their satellite campuses, with all the reach that they have, with all the influence they have within our American church culture, imagine oh, yeah. how that would go. It'd be incredible. And so that's the prayer, right? The prayer is that their eyes would be open. They'd be like, oh, we're not preaching the gospel. We're preaching a gospel, right. but not the gospel. It's not the one of Jesus. Yeah. 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 So verse three. Verse 3. Who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Who forbid marriage. I mean, what what's the what's the first thing that pops into your mind, Austin, when you talk about forbidding marriage? Uh, Catholicism. Catholicism. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. It, it's, it's one of the things I have an issue with within Catholicism. Yeah. Forbidding marriage. Their priests cannot marry. They have to be abstinent. If you are married, if you're not married, you need to be abstinent. So I'm with you on that on that level. But it goes past abstinence. It, it's celibate. It, yeah. It is completely no relations whatsoever. Right. Which, literally look at the history of the Catholic Church. Look at the priests. Look at the popes. How many sexual allegations have been brought before all of that? And, and been proven. 85% of them are proved yeah. and true. Yeah. If, yeah. No, I'd say probably about 90-something percent. Yeah. yeah. It, it's... It's egregious. It's egregious, and and it. I do think it stems from their theology on this forbidding marriage. Yeah, because I understand that mentality of them wanting to devote themselves to the church. I, I'm okay with that on the surface. It sounds great. It sounds great. That'd and, be awesome. And that's what pastors are supposed to do: is devote themselves to the work of of teaching and to yeah. the work of the church. But <laughs> you're doing it at a detriment, and you're doing it flying completely in the face of 1 Timothy 4. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to completely ignore, completely ignore this verse right here and just say, nope, that doesn't mean that. Right. Well, it's because what they do is they go to what Paul says of, right. you know, I wish you could all do this, which in that aspect, yeah, it's awesome. If I wish you could all do this because you were so devoted to Christ, as Paul was. Right. Why? Well, because Paul had the supernatural gift of celibacy. That, that is a gift of God. And again, like I've said before, I've only ever known one person, and that's Paul. <laughs> and that's Paul, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because this, again, this was written before Catholicism, right? right? During this time, you had the 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 Essenes. That's where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls is where the Essenes were, and they had the exact same thing. They're like, we're devoting ourselves to XYZ, and there are no relations, which, interesting thing, they all died out. Right. They all died out because they had no heirs. That So there, there's that. Yeah, this goes directly against Scripture. Why? Well, it is not good for man to be alone. And th- this is talking about the relationship between a husband and a wife, that that sexual relationship. It, it makes it makes a little bit of sense, though. N- not ju- Obviously, do not hear me say I'm justifying any of this. It makes a little bit of sense, though, that, that the Catholic Church specifically has had these issues with sexual abuse and, and sexual misconduct because, as we've stated you know, from, from the outset of this podcast, we're sexual beings. We are created with those desires. Mm-hmm. Those desires are going to, without that supernatural ability, those desires are going to flesh out some way. Oh, yeah. And hopefully they, it, it, I mean, granted, we want the no sin aspect of it, but like if they're going to be sinful, we hope that it fleshes out in a very... Um, individualistic way, right? Where it's not harming other people in the sense of abuse, right? But these these desires that that obviously they have are going to manifest themselves some way. And that temptation is so strong that it's going to come out in ways that are egregious, in ways that are are, uh, immoral, in ways that are, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, Deviant. Mm. Deviant. If you are denying that part of your life for for like in a priesthood scenario and you have those desires and those desires are there they're going to come out oh yeah now if they come out just between you and your computer that's sin and that's wrong but at least it's not the other side where you're abusing somebody whether that's a kid whether that's a woman whether it's whatever you're not 
You know, he's not going that route. I but guess both are still <laughs> both are still sinful, and they're still leading to death, and they're but, still leading to death. But yes, yeah, but you see what I'm saying, though, yeah. right? Those desires are going to come. So it makes sense to me that those who hold to that standard and hold to that theology that are not celibate, that are not able to control those desires, that, that have those desires, it makes sense they would come out some way. Right. Well, and and it, for me, it goes to show just how against God and against Scripture all of it is. Right. Because it comes out in those ways, because you're able to look at the Catholic Church and see all of these issues, and don't get me wrong, the issues are in the Christian Church too. Oh, exactly. That, that's not. We're not discounting that. We're not discounting married men from having these issues. We're not right. discounting that at all. That. But it's the fact of it is more so there. Right. And it's not even just. I'm not going to call them natural, but man to to woman relations. It is abominations. It yeah. is. Older men to younger men. Yeah. The the I don't even know what they're called. The 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 little boys that the Al- altar boys altar and stuff boys, like that. Yeah. yeah. Which goes to show just how evil and wicked that doctrine is. Right. Because it pushes the the people who are in charge in those situations to do these evil and, acts. And to release that tension somewhere. Exactly. And, and unfortunately it, it ends up being that. Yeah. And, and that is I'm not saying getting married would avoid that. Uh, that's not what I'm saying because obviously that's not true, right? You know, right. but I, I do think there is something to be said that it it does happen in these places where marriage is forbidden, right? But and and really, what it is is okay. So it's a passion, right? Burning. It's yeah. a burning desire, as Scripture calls. Okay, what happens when you start to suppress that burning desire? Okay, what happens when you suppress that desire for years? Then your sinful desire starts just literally. I don't even Growing know what else. like a tumor. Yeah. Growing literally like until tumor. your entire body's infected. So therefore, you are it, going to take a very unnatural abomination route. It, it, it clouds your mind. It clouds your judgment. It, it completely takes over. Like you said, it, it does. It completely consumes you. And, you know, there's a reason why in the Old Testament there are verses devoted to, to what not to do with your sheep. Yeah. Because we are capable of horrid things every single one of us every single one of us is capable of horrid things and it's by the grace of god that we don't commit those exactly those those acts yep. and and even those who aren't believers it's by a common grace that they don't commit those acts there's yep. that common grace element to this too of people who are not believers but are quote-unquote moral right? right but when you let that fester and you let that desire just overwhelm you you're capable of anything anything and and that's what i think uh, paul is is very in two words, <laughs> alluding to. Yes. You know, we, we, we went a lot into those two words, forbidding marriage. But I, yeah. I think that is something that's important to, to understand the difference between Catholicism and, and Christianity. One of them is this idea of forbidding marriage. Yeah. Well, it's and, just not, it's not, those, those, those desires have to go somewhere. Right. They exactly. have to. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's, I think that is natural. Those desires going somewhere. They're supposed to go to your wife. Right. They're supposed to go to your husband if you're a woman, right? Like, right. they're supposed to go to your spouse. And that's it. And that's godly, and that's beautiful, and that's the way it's intended. Right. And so th- this gets us into our theology. You know, getting, okay, so marriage and abstinence of foods, foods, but foods. Because what is the next part? It says that God created to be received with thanksgiving by who? By those who believe and know the truth. This goes into why does the rain fall on the just and the unjust? It falls on both of them. Well, it is because all good things are created by God. Why? Well, first is for the glory of God. But the second, because God gave it to the believer. God created all these good things to give to the believer. Why? Because only the believer thanks God for these things. Only the believer is going to thank God for the marriage. Right. Only the believer is going to thank God for the food. That That is what we do because we are giving glory to God. And so marriage, food, all of these good things which God has created, it says right here, God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. That's why. Yeah. So the rain falls on the unjust and the just because God is blessing the just with rain. But just that, because that the... common un- grace. Right. But yeah. because the... The just live among the unjust. The unjust, they're going to get the rain as well. They are, and and it's 
it goes to, I think, of the sermon Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God by Jonathan Edwards, where he, he goes into a little bit of this idea of you as a non-believer are hanging by a thread. You, you are a millisecond away from hell as an unbeliever. Yeah. We, it's harsh. It's, it's, it's a little bit like, oh, that doesn't make me feel good. But it's true. Homework for our listeners. Go read that sermon. It's really mm. short. It's really powerful. Oh, yeah. I have a copy of it here at the house. Like It is very short, very powerful. But it's that same idea that, yes, the unbelievers, those who, are, those who reject the truth, those who don't know the truth, those who reject Christ, they still receive the benefits of common grace. But they are one thread, one thread away from eternity without Christ. Yeah. Eternity without God. And eternal punishment, eternal condemnation, and that is should terrify you as a, as a believer. That oh, should yeah. terrify you because you should not want those people to be in that position. Oh yeah, require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. I think we're getting into some of the Judaism here, mm-hmm. getting into the, the fight that Paul fights a lot in his letters, trying to say, guys, we we we're focusing on the wrong things here. You know, we're focusing on you know not eating shellfish. That's not a salvation issue, guys. Right. Like if you, Paul says it, you know, if you, your conviction is you don't need to eat these foods, then by all means don't eat these foods. Yep. But don't then try to push that on somebody exactly. else because it's not a salvation issue. Right. And so that's what he's talking about here. I think that's pretty self-explanatory, mm-hmm. right? Because we've talked about that at length a little bit on this show. When we went through, was it Romans that we went through that talks about this? Or was it even First Timothy? We've been in First Timothy for so long. I mean, we've hinted on it so many times. It's in Corinthians. Yeah. Yeah, talking about the uh, the the weaker believer and the stronger believer, right, and right, right, so right. on and so forth. But I mean, literally going into verse four, it, he he opens it up even more. I'm going to read the ESV, but then I'm going to go back to the other one because the ESV translates something that I I I think could be translated better. Could be very much better. Yeah. So it says, "For everything created by God is good." Now I'm going to stop right there. Now, okay, yes, if God created it, it, it is good. I mean, he says back in, in Genesis, after he created something, he said it is good, meaning if God created it, it's perfect. But in this context, following the logic here, if it's translated this way, it's everything created by God is good. Well, what all and who all was created by God? Well, Satan. Satan was created by God, so therefore is he good? So I'm going to go to to this one where it says, for every creature of God is good. Again, what is the context of what we're talking about? Um, we're, we're talking about meat. We're food, talking about yeah. food. Um, but we're also kind we're going back to marriage. Okay. Um, it is marriage is created by God. The, the man and the wife is created by God. And the context in which he created them for back in the garden was good. I mean, literally after he created man, before he said, you know, all of all of it is good, he said it is not good, as in not that he created something um, evil, but he created something that was not quite finished and perfect yet. Because whenever God said it is good, he was saying it's perfect. Right. Because when God does something, it's perfect. But then he fashions woman, puts them together. It's not good for man to be alone, as Adam would say. And then he says, it is good. It is perfect. Why? Because... They're supposed to be together. But but here in this context, we're also talking, we're talking about the food. God created the creature. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. So here's the thing of, you know, going back to uh, Judaism of the foods which they were not supposed to eat by law, which, okay, there's something interesting too. The law was given by God to the Jews saying, do not eat Anything with a cloven hoof that goes to pigs, it goes, you you can't eat the shellfish, stuff like that. But then it's like, okay, so why can we eat it now? What was the purpose? Why did God say, don't eat that? But now he's saying, everything I've created is good. Um, When we go to Peter in Acts, God gives him the vision of the sheet coming down out of heaven with all types of animals Mm -hmm. and the unclean animals. And Peter's like, oh no, no, I, I can't do that. I can't eat any of those because I'm I'm uh, I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish. Yeah. And God is like, let nothing man says is unclean be so, because I've made them and they're clean. Yes, that's talking about also people. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the the reason, the reason why God told the Jewish people not to eat those things, it was to condition them. It was again, 
what was the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law was to show them what was right and wrong. Right. And as children... And to show them their need for a savior, that exactly. they can't do it on their own. Right. But as children saying, this is wrong, don't do it. Instead of having them explore everything and do that whole live and then learn, God says, no, learn and live. Here's the things, do not do them. So that as you're lear- you're learning, you're not going to do them later in life when you f- just figure it out. Right. And so he was conditioning them, getting them to obey, getting them to be, com- I don't even want to say compliant, it's just obey, obedience. Do what I have told you to do. But then when, when we get to this where he says, well, they're, they're clean, they're okay, it's because now we're conditioned. We should, we should, should be, be. Should be conditioned. Well, I, I heard an interesting theory a long time ago, and I may butcher this a little bit, so forgive me if I do, but I also heard too, especially, specifically with pigs, how you prepare pork is very important. Very And important. in those days, especially wandering the desert for 40 years, but in those days, like, they didn't have the means to properly prepare pork without getting themselves sick. Yeah. Without causing diseases and, and worms, I think. isn't Trigonosis. Trigonosis, thank you. Yeah, I yeah. knew there was a word for that. That is possible in poorly, pro- improperly prepared and stored pork. If you do not cook pork correctly and to the right temperature... You have that you, risk. You die. You have you, the risk. You can die. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so I've heard the, the kind of theory behind one of the reasons why God may have said, hey, we're going to stay away from this, is to protect them from these illnesses and protect them from this potential deadly sickness that they could yeah. contract by improperly storing or preparing the, the pork. And, and obviously now we have the ability to prepare it properly and to store right. it properly. Right. So the risk of eating pork nowadays is very, very low, you know, unless you just have someone who has no clue what they're doing right. and they store it on their f- kitchen counter for two weeks before they eat it. You know, <laughs> like that's not good. <laughs> so not good. Yeah. So I think there might be something to that as well mm-hmm. uh, as to why that was part of the requirements. You know, you look at shellfish and deveining shrimp right what does deveining shrimp do removes the feces from the shrimp mm-hmm. and so you're not eating feces and maybe in those days that was something they didn't have the ability to do or didn't have the knowledge of and so god is protecting them from that as well right on some level and like austin said the obedience factor it's yeah. you know it's the same way with the tree the tree of the knowledge of good and evil god says don't do it yeah don't do it so i'm gonna present this one and then i'm, I'm gonna back it up with something so the other one is shellfish I, we've talked about it before. If you take two fish tanks, okay, dirty, muddy, nasty water. Say there, it's Ohio River. Ohio uh, River. <laughs> Disgusting. You're only allowed to eat like one a month from there, supposedly. You're su- or that's all you're allotted. Or, or supposed to eat. Yeah, because of the mercury, of the mercury yeah. content. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you take Gross. that, you fill one tank full of oysters, whatever. Yeah, oysters, sure. clams, whatever. And then you leave the other one empty. Within several weeks, the one with oysters and clams and uh, shrimp will be crystal clear. And the other one will still be, be the gross. same, if not worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because that's their job. They clean the water. They, they're bottom feeders. They, they clean the algae. They, they eat all the disgusting stuff. They filter out the toxicity of the water. So going following that logic of God was protecting them. Yes, I, I do believe that. But this is where I, I, I come behind it of, I also don't like when we do that. When we go and, I not justify, but we try to explain things. Um, another one is looking at uh, Jericho, when they marched around Jericho. Mm-hmm. And people look at it from a, like a scientific way, and it's like, well, actually, the it fell because as they marched around, they weakened the stability of the walls and that's going around that many times it finally fell and i'm like okay like i i get where you're coming from but one you're in my view you're degrading what god has done you're degrading a miracle two talking about the food i don't know if it's degrading but it is taking away from the aspect of no god commanded them to do it and they're just supposed to do it yes i the other side of, yes, I do believe God was protecting them from right. it, but the other side of, I think we need to stop trying to explain some of those things in in the facet of, I think we're taking away from God. I, I immediately think of the swoon theory mm. in the resurrection, where Jesus wasn't actually fully dead. Right. He was just in a very deep coma, and then he woke up from said coma. Yeah. Same thing with Lazarus. Uh, same thing with Lazarus. Same thing with any of the people that Jesus raised from the dead. Right. 
that that is one of kind of I think that's the vein you're in, you end up going to is where you're trying so hard to find some sort of you're trying a way to worldly it. justification for it. Yeah, that you take away the miracle that took place. Not everything needs to be. explained. Not everything has to be explained. Yeah. Jesus was dead. You don't have Guys, to Lazarus understand everything. Lazarus was so dead that they were worried about the smell when he opened up the the, the tomb. The when King the, James said he began to stinketh. Yeah. So it, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I like yeah. that. Be be careful what you're trying to justify and explain, yeah. right? When it comes to the miracles and the things in Scripture. Well, and, and so yeah, my my reasoning is don't say God did this because. Okay, well, Scripture says God gave them the the law because Paul lists it out in multiple letters. Right. So don't come behind Paul and say, well, actually, God gave them this law because of if you don't prepare the pork this way and if you eat shellfish because of this and that and that. Mike, that's dangerous. Just say God told them to do this because God told them to do this. And that's all you have. That's all you need. But anyway, side tangent there. A a little bit further. So the creature is created by God and nothing is to be rejected if it is to be received by Thanksgiving. Because this goes into verse 5 of why do we thank God for our food? Why do we pray over our food? If we are receiving this food through Thanksgiving, it it doesn't need to be rejected. Okay, yeah, we go back to what Paul was saying about how, say the weaker Christian is coming from paganism, okay, going back during biblical times. Coming from paganism, coming from where you could go to the Temple of Diana and go to the meat market and the leftovers of the meat that was being sacrificed to Diana, they were selling at a discount price. And you were able to buy it for a discount price. So those that came from that to Christianity would look at that and say, I, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. That's That's been served to, to a false god. I can't do that. Whereas a stronger believer is able to look at that and be like, well, there is no such thing as a different god than God. Right. So that's just meat. Yeah, um, let's not let it go to waste. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And looking at it from that way of, well, no, if you are receiving this through Thanksgiving as God, thank you for providing me with this daily bread. Thank you for providing me with this food. Then we go into verse five of, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. Now, what is the word of God? The word of God is that literally, what does Paul say? For every creature is by from God and it is good. That is the word of God. He has declared all things are clean and we can eat all things. But then the next part of, and prayer. Yeah. So, This even goes into the will of God when it comes to prayer, when it comes to us praying to God. He wants us to pray for our food. He wants us to be able to go to him and thank him for for the sustenance which he has provided us this day. I I think that's very important. Yeah, absolutely. And and we have to be careful, too, of, of, I think Tim Hawkins has a pretty funny bit about God making up for our poor choices, asking God to turn this giant cheeseburger into a carrot as we eat it. Nourish this food to our body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, I mean, like, we got to kind of keep that in mind, too, of like, yeah. all right, look, yes, this burger is fine, but what about that bread you're eating with it and the, all the nonsense the that goes yeah. on with it? Yeah. yeah or I the mean, candy that you're eating all day long. That Reese's cup that's, you know, the fourth Reese's cup you're eating in the, in the day. Maybe, right. maybe we need to look at that. Transition your prayer to... <laughs> Bless this to the nourishment of my body. To Lord God, please don't let this corrode my heart, <laughs> <laughs> or give me the strength to make the proper choices for for what we eat. Exactly, because, you know. Because I mean, uh, you know, I think this is a total tangent, and I don't know if we need to go into that or not. But I think uh, <laughs> we sometimes mistake overweightness for gluttony in, in America specifically. Uh, yes, there is a gluttony side of it too, where we eat just. Because food becomes our idol, right. that absolutely is a thing. Food becomes a replacement for our devotion to Christ. It becomes a crutch when we're sad. It becomes, you know, instead of leaning on Christ, we go to food. That absolutely is a thing, and that is gluttonous, and that is sinful. Yeah. But I think some of it, uh, if you're overweight, it's because you're eating the wrong stuff. You might only eat three meals a day, but if they're all three meals or four tacos from Taco Bell, you're going to have an issue. So it goes into self control. Self control, and yeah. and and you know, choosing things. I mean, look at Daniel and and, and his what what he did where he wasn't wouldn't eat the king's food and he was stronger because of it. Yeah. He wouldn't make food as idle, but he also would choose the right foods to eat. Right. So I'm preaching to myself on this, don't get me wrong. It's not a indictment on, on anybody yeah. specifically. It's a let's not confuse gluttony with choosing the wrong food, but let's also understand that choosing the wrong food harms our bodies. Yeah. And and that's something yeah. we need to take care of too. So 
just keep that in mind as, as right. we talk about food. Yes, thank God for the provision that he's given us, the money to purchase the food, the people who've made the food, the people who have slaughtered the animals for us so we don't have to, stuff oh, like that. Because, yeah. I mean, let's be honest, in, in a, in a uh, zombie apocalypse scenario where we have to scavenge our own food, I probably wouldn't do very well. I, I'm not against hunting. I, I, I'm not one of those that's like, uh, hunting's evil because it takes a life. No, no, go kill that deer and give me the meat so I don't have to go kill the deer. <laughs> that yeah. I am. That's where my mind goes. And so, yeah, yeah being thankful for those who have prepared the food from mm-hmm. start to finish, and and even thankful for your wife who's cooked it for you, or Amen. thankful for your ability to cook it for yourself. You know, yeah. absolutely. And so, that's what the heart of this is. It yeah. is thanking God for providing the means for us to have sustenance and us right. to eat because. Without his common grace, we'd run out of food. Right, exactly. So that that's one through five. We got through one through five. I think you know it's, it might be a little bit of a shorter episode after all is said and done, but if we kept going, it would be a really long episode. Exactly. So yeah. I think we're at a good spot to 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 kind of stop and, and pick up where we left off next week in, in 1 Timothy 4, verse 6. Uh, we're probably going to do two Timothys in a row before we go back to any other uh, series on immodesty and clothing and such. We are just kind of behind the scenes. We're preparing, or Austin specifically is preparing for baby number five. Yep. We are rapidly approaching the time where he or she will join us. Right. Very exciting times. And so we are going to stockpile a couple episodes mm-hmm. and, and, and we're, you know, that way we have some in the bank if things happen and, and we can't record for a week or two. So we're excited to do that. So that's going to be why we might spend some more time in First Timothy 4 and kind of spread that out a little longer than we normally would instead of alternating. So we're going to go that route. So next week we'll jump into uh, verse 6 and kind of go through that for a little bit, see kind of how far we get for our next episode. So again, just jump on social media, like us, subscribe. I, I did look. We are now at 100 Facebook followers. We've been stuck on 99 for a long time. We got to 100. That's amazing. Thank you guys for all you have done to get us to that point. And let's just keep growing with it, man. Let's let's share the page, share the episodes. Like I said the other day, you know, or last week, if you find an episode that you think would benefit somebody, share that episode with them. It, it doesn't have to be a full series. Just yeah. share the one episode and and if it encouraged you and it's going to hopefully it'll encourage somebody else. Yeah. And so we appreciate that. Um, I think we're still at 27 reviews. We are still at 27 reviews on Apple. Let's, let's get up to 30 guys. Yeah. Let's, if you have, if you listen to us on Apple, if you have an iPhone, even if you listen to us on Facebook, but you have an iPhone, get on that podcast app, sub- hit subscribe or, or whatever it is, follow whatever the word is to, to follow a podcast and give us a five star review. That would be huge. You can do it on Spotify too. You can do it on Spotify as well. The more we have, your help the faster we can kind of see if this thing grows a little bit like i said we'll jump back into first timothy 4 next week we will see you guys then if reach out to us if you have any questions comments concerns we'd interact with you until we see you guys again next week stay Stay rooted. rooted